Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Oh, good morning. It's Rob here sitting in for Ali on uh, Scotland's Talking and coming up on the programme this morning. One of these men is going to be your next Prime Minister. The first thing we need to do, you know what it is? We need to get Brexit done. Get things wrong and there will be no Conservative government, maybe even no Conservative party. Is it much of a choice? Well, you tell me. If you're among the thousands of Scots who live near a landfill site, I'd like to hear what you make of the claims about a school campus in Cobridge. It's built over a former waste tip and some of the parents think it is poisoning their kids. Give me and all the parents and teachers 100% reassurance. Not just tell us, show us. Show us the actual hard evidence. And we're also going to talk about the way that a government minister bundled a climate change protester out of a banquet. It's worrying that his response was to turn round, slam her against the wall, grab her by the neck and drag her out. Mark Field has been suspended from his position at the Foreign Office. Did he deserve that? A veteran Tory MP says certainly not. They shouldn't be making so much fuss about a protester who could have been dangerous having her journey to the front interrupted. So lots of ways to get in touch with the programme this morning. The telephone number 0333202401. If you're on Twitter, you can tweet me. The hashtag is at Scotland's Talking. And you can text Rob plus your message to 61054. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. We're talking first on the programme this morning about the choice of the next Prime Minister. We know it's going to be either Boris Johnson or Jeremy Hunt. So how do you feel about that, Scotland? Well, not that you've probably got any say in it unless you're a Conservative Party member, in which case uh, I would really love to have a chat with you this morning. 0333 2020 401 is the number. If you want to tweet, the hashtag is Scotland's Talking. And if you want to text, text Rob plus your message to 61054. Now, up until the weekend, the defining issue of the campaign was Brexit. I'm here to tell you in all confidence that we can turn this thing round and we can go on to defeat Jeremy Corbyn. And the first thing we need to do, you know what it is? We need to get Brexit done. I don't need to tell you that was the voice of Boris Johnson. And here's what Jeremy Hunt had to say. We don't know what the situation will be on the 31st of October, but if... There is no prospect of a better deal if the European Union had been as inflexible as you say. And if no deal is on the table, then I will leave without a deal because we must keep our promise to the British people. But of course, it's not been entirely about Brexit this weekend, has it? Um, One of the the elephants in the room, those front pages uh, about Boris Johnson uh, this weekend and his private life, does that matter? Does uh, how uh, a uh, potential prime minister what he does behind uh, closed doors and, and what the neighbours hear, does that matter? I'd uh, love to hear what you're thinking this morning. 0333 2020 401. Uh, already uh, loads of comments coming in on Twitter, hashtag uh, Scotland's talking as to uh, rather you, whether you'd rather have Boris or Jeremy as your next Prime Minister. Martin says, I'd rather have a boot in the ghoulies and a pool cue in the eye. And uh, we've uh, also got uh, Ewan who says, neither, I would not trust them to run a raffle, far less the United Kingdom. Uh, And JH has tweeted, what's our third option? 
Sorry, don't think we've got one of those at the moment. Um, as I say, it's, uh, it's quite a small uh, electric for this decision that's uh, going to affect all of us, but I'm delighted to say we can hear from a couple of people who do have uh, a vote in this election. Uh, welcome to Scotland's Talking. We've got uh, Andrea G and uh, Thomas Kerr. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Um, let's go uh, ladies first. Uh, Andrea, uh, you, are, you are a Conservative Party member, aren't you? Yes, 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 I am. Are you excited about this election? Um, I think it has petered out a little bit. The two, the two people that I were um, really confident and uh, excited about were um, Michael Gove and, of course, Rory Stewart, and they're now out of the out of the race. But they really put in a little bit of energy and authenticity that I think uh, we need to get back over the next few weeks with uh, the hustings and uh, see what the two candidates we have left have got to offer. <laughs> so you're still to be convinced, are you? Um, I think I am um, probably convinced now that Jeremy Hunt is is the man for me. Uh, I think um, the three tests that I have kind of put to these candidates as time has gone on, number one is can they deliver a sensible Brexit? Now, is what they're saying actually achievable? Um, can they um, look to me to, to convince me that they are positive about promoting women in the party from all levels of, of, of the party? And third and foremost, are they unionists? Um, are they going to put the most important union we have first um, and remember that we are a family of nations that wants to stay together? Um, mm. So when I put those three tests to those two uh, finalists, I think Jeremy Hunt is coming out on top. We'll maybe delve uh, into some of those issues then in a, in a, in a moment. Um, Thomas, good morning. You're a, you're a, a Tory councillor in Glasgow, aren't you? You're the, uh, the yes, Conservative for Shettleston. Yes, which, uh, uh, I was... I was the one who was elected in East End. Yes, that, that surprised a few people. But um, <laughs> um, how do you see it? Um, no, I, I, I like Andrea. I mean, I, I was back in um, Andrea Lidson originally um, for the Conservative leadership. And when that didn't happen, um, I then said I was going to wait until the final two. Um, but the test that I always give is who I would and who I think would go down well in East End of Glasgow. Um, and when you put it to the two candidates, then I think that Jeremy Hunt does come out on top. Um, I think that he's got a clear plan to deliver Brexit. Um, but at the same time as well, we need a serious leader because this is serious times. And I think he's got a proven track record in many different departments um, of success. So I, I'm backing Jeremy Hunt. Mm, interesting. Uh, Boris, you talked about serious times. A lot of people, I think, have a doubt about whether he can actually be a serious prime minister. Well, look, I think there's there's a lot of questions that hang over Boris, um, not just what you were saying, obviously, at the beginning of this, this show, um, which he has to answer seriously. The one thing I have said before, though, is that either of these men are ten times better than Jeremy Corbyn or Nicola Sturgeon, and either of them would make a better Prime Minister than any of those two. Mm. Um, so I will back whoever the eventual winner is, because a Conservative Prime Minister is ten times better than a Jeremy Corbyn-led government. Yeah, um, so you... But I think Boris has a lot of questions he needs to answer for. Yeah, now you mentioned... You mentioned answering questions. Let me just play you both a, a clip. I'm, I'm sure you probably were watching yesterday and heard it, but this is Boris uh, when, he, when he was asked about those headlines at the weekend. This is what he said at the hustings yesterday. I think what people have come here today, uh, a seductive interview, there you, uh, there you are. I, I think people have... Uh, I don't think they want to hear about uh, that kind of thing. But, uh, no, I, I, I look, I, I've, I've tried to give my answer pretty exhaustively. I think what people want to know is whether I have the determination and the courage to deliver on the uh, commitments that I'm making. So just to be clear, you're not going to make any comment at all on what happened last night? I think that's pretty, that's pretty obvious from the foregoing. 
So a question for both of you. Were either of you particularly impressed by that? He had all day to come up with an answer, but the best he could do was the same old bumbling Boris shtick. Well, yeah, I think that, that that's one of the things. Boris is right that people want to hear about the issues, and as a Conservative Party member, I can't wait till we start debating about um, issues that are going to affect people's lives. But until he answers the questions that he needs to answer, then he's got, going to continue to get this by the media until mm. he starts doing interviews and sitting down and speaking to the press. So I absolutely agree with him. I think your party members are fed up with all this kind of stuff about his private life. But until he answers those questions, he's going to keep having them brought up all uh-huh. throughout the campaign. What do you think, Andrea? Because you're the chair of the Scottish Women Conservatives. What, what's a woman's perspective on this? Um, my perspective on this is that um, this is his private life. Um, he is, however, standing as um, a, con- a contender to be the Prime Minister of this great country. Um, and therefore, those lines do get a little bit blurred, don't they? And if a policeman is called to your house, um, it's only understandable that the public are going to want to know about it. Um, I'm not entirely convinced by his answer. However, the facts being the facts are that the police came and nothing was reported to to have happened. So we have to put his personal life, his private life into um, another space. And I think, as Thomas says, let's just debate the important issues um, because that's what people really want to hear. I mean, you say that, but, but then again, let, let's look back at Boris Johnson's you know, entire political career, career over 20, 25 years. The whole thing has been about selling Boris, Boris the personality, because he, he seems mm-hmm. to have you know, flip-flopped on, on various policies. I, I don't know whether we can seriously analyse his, his politics, because it's, it's all been about Boris the man. So therefore, this is a very important question, isn't it? It is, and, and people are obviously um, very interested in, in people's character, and I think that that um, boils over to the big the big issue of are you uh, capable of delivering Brexit and getting this country back together, and your character um, is part of what's going to make you uh, achieve that. So it's a really difficult one to answer because I don't want to delve into anybody's private life and put it uh, out on display. Um, they're in that situation, though, um, I'm not, as I say, I'm not convinced that his answer was definitely the most prepared or, or, or one that is going to put this issue to bed. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens next and um, how they how they manage to, to get through this. Mm, do you think Jeremy Hunt got himself right back into the race yesterday? Because it, 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 the two performances were very, very different, weren't they? Yes, and I think Jeremy's also been... Um, I think he's learned a bit from Roy Stewart. He's been out in the communities. He's been, I've seen him running about in the Midlands, speaking to people as he's on a, um, up, coming up to Scotland uh, as we speak. Um, I think he is really trying to connect with people um, in an authentic and genuine fashion. And, and Thomas, you're, you're still to make up your mind. Um, what, what do they have to do to convince you? Oh, no, no, I've made up my mind. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm Team Jeremy Hunt. Oh, you're Team Jeremy, um, sorry. Maybe, maybe yeah, yeah. It was Andrew, no, I, maybe it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You're, you're t- how do you think Jeremy did yesterday? And, and do you think it's enough when, when you saw what... Uh, I mean, and, and let's face it, this is going to be decided by English Tory members, not Scottish Tory members, uh, because, because the, you know, just the, the numbers. Um, can, can Jeremy convince uh, enough people to fall out of love with Boris? Well, I disagree with that. I think that actually the Scottish party has been the party over the past couple of years that have been winning. So a lot of people down in England are looking at us to see who we think is going to be the best Prime Minister because we've got Ruth Davidson and whoever can implement what Ruth She's Davidson backed every losing candidate so far. I think everybody's praying not to get Ruth backing, aren't they? <laughs> But whoever, whoever um, is going to do what we need to do down in England, which is win elections, they should be looking at Ruth Davidson because Ruth has managed to take the Scottish Conservatives from literally being, you know, third place, pretty much nowhere, to now becoming a serious contender to the, become the next First Minister.
Dunbute House. So I think a lot of English members will look at the Conservatives. I think, talking about Jeremy's performance yesterday, I think the momentum is definitely with Jeremy Hunt now. Um, we've seen him come out, you know, sleeves rolled up, no notes, speaking off away from the podium, being very personable. Um, the momentum is with him. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that he could win this. Um, it's still a four-week campaign, so there's a long time left. Um, but by going out and speaking to the party membership, coming up to Scotland, he's shown his unionist credentials. I, I think that's all still to play for. Well, it's getting everybody talking this morning. Got a text in. Uh, you can uh, text the programme, text ROB to 61054. Uh, we've got Liz. She says, Rob, of course it matters how they behave. We're led by the least among us, the least intelligent, the least compassionate, the least visionary Western civilization is a loaded gun pointed at the head of the planet. What point the human race? Uh, I think I probably read that um, That out. Um, Probably a bit mixed up, but uh, I, I don't think Liz is very impressed by Boris. Uh, anyway, thank you, Andrea and uh, Thomas, you. very much for your time this morning and uh, giving, giving us uh, your views. We'll uh, get some, some more callers on and find out uh, whether Scotland goes for Boris or Jeremy in a few moments. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. And we're talking about the next Prime Minister, whether it should be Boris Johnson or Jeremy Hunt. We've got uh, John Bessis on the line. Good morning, John. A very good morning to you, Rob. Yes, I'm looking forward for Boris to be our next Prime Minister. I'd be something like out of Faulty Towers with John Cleese. <laughs> right, OK. Um, you just think it'd be a bit of a laugh, do you? Of course. Uh, well, for gaff after gaff, PMQs, I can't wait for PMQs. And you can imagine Speaker of the House, order, order. Uh, I basically think Boris might change. He mm-hmm. might change. But the thing is, what happened there in his flat? I mean, at one time, you know, you have some of these things that happen. But why should a neighbour phone the police? Why should a neighbour phone the police? Yes. Because you're concerned about somebody in the flat. You you, you hear... You know, allegedly, according to the stories, you know, plates being smashed, raised voices. Uh, that's a civic duty. It doesn't matter who it is. They might, might, might have been, Rob, they might have been doing a, a Greek, you know, oh, thing. John, you know, a Greek come on. With the wine and everything. So, so, so if, if you heard a row going on f- from your next-door neighbours and you heard, you know, uh, a woman, again, allegedly, in this case, saying, get off me, um, you, you just think... Leave them to it. It's their own private business. Well, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. You know, I mean, that that's their private business. What goes on in their private life, you know? But it's up to the one. If you think you phone the police, go yeah. ahead. And do I, I it. think I think there's two issues here, John. Um, I don't think there's any question that in that situation you should call the police if you think you if you are concerned for somebody's safety. That is what the police are for. Whether you uh, record it and and play it to the Guardian. Yeah, that's you know that's that's a moot point. I, I agree, there's an issue there, but I, I, I can't believe that you're actually suggesting you shouldn't call the police. Um, so you think Boris would be a bit of fun? Um, John McCutcheon uh, is on the other line as well. We have two Johns. Good morning, John McCutcheon. How are you? I'm I'm very well. Um, what do you think then about Boris and these stories? Well, it's, it's I think it's blown out all proportion about all the papers and the television and you talking about. I mean, everybody has rows in the house. I mean, I have it continually. And, and, and I'm mean, 86, and in my lifetime, I've had loads of ups and downs. But I never... The neighbours never phoned the police. I mean, the woman who phoned the police, her ear must have been right against the wall. How does she hear... Or, or else... When they were shouting, they must have shouted really loud for to hear anything. 
Well, she, she a bloody nosy, nosy neighbours. <laughs> no, nosy neighbours. Um, the, the, the pair of you are not really sort of getting with the um, sort of domestic abuse agenda here. I'm not suggesting that was what was going on for, for, for a oh, second. I, but, I mean, um, I, I, I'd love to hear from, hear from some women this morning um, as to uh, you know, what, what you're making of, uh, of, of these views we're hearing. It's 0333 2020 401 is, is, is the phone number because I, I, I thought everybody understood these days that if, you know, that you... you the, these things can you have to sort of nip these things in the bud. Well, it depends on what it is. I mean, see, everybody has ups and downs. I mean, see, but, but it's not a murder case, is it? If you're not like about it, phone 101. Police Scotland, okay. That's <laughs> right, <laughs> Okay, let's um, let's leave let's leave Boris's some um, domestic things just to to one side. Uh, in terms of his politics, in terms of him uh, as as a politician, uh, what what do you make of him? Uh, you know, John, John Bissett already said he thought he'd be a bit of a a good laugh as uh, as Prime Minister. Is this a laughing matter, John McCutcheon? Also, I think. Oh, sorry, John. No, no, it's not a laughing matter. I mean, everybody has a private life. And it's in your private life, you can have things wrong with your wife or your, or your relatives. And it's up to you to discuss what the problem is. Yeah, and, I'm not, we're not talking about his private life here. Let's, let's, let's part that to one side, though. I mean, let's talk about his, his politics and his, his politics on, on, on Brexit and, and, and other things. I think he'll be very serious on Brexit. I think myself that, apart from Theresa May and the way she's handled it over the past three years, I think he'll take it seriously on, and we might see a lot of change on the front bench. That's the Tory bench, by the way. Uh, Labour, and uh, obviously the fact that um, SNP party, and the fact that if you wait for PMQs, that will be very interesting to see how, how, how we, Boris will actually change and be very serious... And I'm looking forward to watching this space. Hello? Yeah, Hello. go ahead. Hello. Bring, bring back Theresa May. Theresa May had, <laughs> she had the right attitude. And I think at the beginning, it's maybe been a conspiracy to get rid of Theresa May and themselves get the Prime Minister. It's always politics discussed between themselves. I mean, argue between all the two themselves. Yeah, I'm looking at, um, at Jeremy Hunt, uh, what do you make of him? I mean, he was one of the most controversial health secretaries. Obviously, he's, his writ didn't uh, run in, in, in Scotland much. Uh, but he's, he's trying to sort of reinvent himself and, and, and said that he was a good health secretary. Do, do you see him playing himself back into this race? Well, I think... Oh, sorry, John, go ahead. Jeremy Hunt, I mean, I don't know the mind personally, but you can't give him a chance because he's as good as the other ones, so... But Boris is a bit of a character, and you get characters like Mr. Trump, the President of the United States. He says things and does things out of the order, and people accept him because he's a character, you know. But he goes back, when it comes to business, he goes back to the real business. Mm. Uh, talk, you, you talk about saying things as a character. I, I, again, another clip of Boris. This is taken from the, the TV debate on Tuesday. This is him uh, responding to uh, when, he, when he gave offence. Insofar as uh, my words have given offence over the last uh, 20 or 30 years when I've been a journalist and people have, have taken those words out of my articles and, and uh, escalated them, uh, of course, I, I, I'm sorry for the offence that they have caused. Yeah, I mean, he's always trying to, to wriggle out of these things. Do you think he's going to have to, he's gonna have to be, be different? Do you think, we, we can, can we have Boris the Joker, Boris that just sprays around words in, in Downing Street? 
politicians, regular every argument, they have their own agenda of what they want, and they will not answer a straight question, yes or no. So that's the way politicians are. It's a, they won't say yes or no, it's what they want to say. You know, it's, they're a difficult people. I don't know how to make a haunt, because at one side, he seems to be a, a very serious chap. At the other hand, he rolls his sleeves up and loosens his tie, and he means business, but let's watch what's going to happen, because in points, he's, he's actually ahead of Boris. Mm. There's also the uh, the dimension, perhaps we'll, we'll, um, we'll get onto this uh, with, with some other callers, as to uh, how this will play in Scotland and uh, what this might mean for the the SNP and for the question of uh, independence. Uh, I got a tweet in uh, from Linda, uh, hashtag Scotland's talking. She says, any one of those two uh, are better than Nicola Sturgeon. But there's a, a poll in the Times this morning suggests that the prospect of uh, Boris as Prime Minister might just swing things. Um, this is early days snap poll, and it's just an opinion poll, but it suggests that it could be 53% in favour of independence now. That, that's, that's something to watch as well, isn't it? Well, I'm looking forward to independence for Scotland because we have to have a separation. It's definitely on the cards, and uh, probably next year we'll have independence for Scotland. Can I, can I say something? Just yet? The SNP, to me, is a waste of space. So is the Tories. I was in the SNP. I was in the SNP until the elections. And Mrs. Surgeon is not the right person to run the SNP. And the, the, she's determined to get this referendum up all the time. You know, it goes on and on and on like a, a never-ending record. I, I, th- I think you've, um, you, you've uh, made... Um... John Bissett, hang up the phone there, John McCutch. I think you've upset him. I didn't get the chance to say no, goodbye. No, well, that's the truth, because this is <laughs> the instigator of all this trouble we've had with the referendum before with the different parties. She disturbed everybody for what she wants. It's a typical woman, I think so. Well, John, thank you. Thank you for calling in and talking to us uh, this morning. Uh, and um, sorry, dear, the other John got so upset. Let's uh, go on to uh, Andrew, who's uh, called in as well, 033 Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Rob. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. Um, what do you make of all this? I think, in fairness, it's reached a point now where I don't think it really matters, you know, who gets the job between. It probably will be Johnson. But, uh, you know, I think now... <laughs> The, the country's divided. You know, mm. the, the the electorate south of the border have completely different political views from we Scots. And um, maybe it's not a bad idea now. Is it time for an independence kind of referendum again? I know people are fed up with that as well, possibly, Rob. But I, I watched the thing about Thatcher on BBC Two the last four weeks, and at least she made decisions. You know, she, whether you loved her or loathed her, you know, she must be turning in her grave when she sees the dross now that's looking to replace her, to be quite honest with you. You know, I mean, she's dead and buried now, but um, I, I don't know, Rob. I just wonder, we're never going to get an agreement on Brexit, I don't think. I don't think the Europeans, even with Boris Johnson, will back down. So why is he going to be any different, Rob, if mm. he gets the job? I mean, they're both saying, they're both saying that... They would be prepared to leave with uh, with no deal. deal. Do, do, do you think they're just playing to the gallery? Do you? I mean, how much do you actually believing that that they are meaning what they are saying? Well, I think in the case of Johnson, he definitely would. I, I think that 
I, I listened to the obnoxious Piers Morgan say that Johnson would go in there with a bunch of killers, meaning London City traders, I presume, Robin, kind of pin the, the Euro board down and, and get submission from them. That's not going to happen. And if we do leave without a deal, I think the uncertainty for the economy of the whole United Kingdom is is really quite a worry. You know, this, the money is running out worldwide as we speak, and I think to, to pitch ourselves into... You know, such uncertainty, Rob, is, is disastrous, I would have thought, for the whole United Kingdom. OK, let's also bring into the conversation uh, Josephine from Pennacook. Good morning, Josephine. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Jon. I'm, I've, the notes I've got on the screen here, I don't think you're a Boris fan. You don't, sorry? I don't think you're a Boris fan. You don't really like him, do you? Oh, for God's sake, he's <laughs> a buffoon. He's an idiot. It does, he's made himself a wee bit tidier looking, but the God, when he opens that mouth, he is an idiot. And I want Scotland to wake up now. We're going to have another Prime Minister that we never voted for. Mm. And that is so wrong. Yes, I mean, we had uh, Andrea and, and Thomas on uh, earlier at the, the start of the programme. They're, they're two Conservative Party members. Uh, they're, we're putting us, all of us, we're putting ourselves in their hands, aren't we? There's, there's, there's a lot resting on their shoulders and the, the choice that they make. Can I tell you, if Boris is Prime Minister, the only ones that will benefit out it is the rest of the world laughing at us. We're a proud wee nation and we're not getting a choice to pick a Prime Minister. Do, do you and think he's capable of... Scotland. Sorry, Josephine. Do you think he's capable of, of changing? Do you think he could suddenly turn all serious once he gets through the door of number 10? No, no, definitely not. The man's a buffoon. It really, really is. And it doesn't matter if he tidies his cell up. If he, the man will open his mouth and cause trouble and havoc. Andrew, so you, yeah. Andrew's still on the line as well. Did, did you watch the hustings at all yesterday? Have you seen any clips from it, Andrew? I would say no, I haven't, because I've been so disinterested, to be quite honest with you, Robin. I think, as I say now, the, the political differences between the rest of the United Kingdom and Scotland have now grown so vast that I think it's probably, even an old Tory like me, you've got to admit, it's maybe time to, to make you know a big change in the UK's political sort of landscape. Well, thank you for, for calling in and uh, giving us your opinion, Andrew, this morning. Uh, lots more to come if you want to have your say on uh, Boris Johnson or Jeremy Hunt and which you would rather have uh, as Prime Minister. Hobson's choice, some may call it. Uh, 0233-2020-401 is the telephone number. If you want to tweet, the hashtag is Scotland's Talking, and you can also do it by text message. Text Rob plus your message to 61054. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Uh, keep your calls coming on 0333-2020-401 uh, for what you think about uh, the choice of Boris Johnson or Jeremy Hunt for Prime Minister. Had a uh, tweet in from Anne Redmond uh, talking about uh, Boris and all those headlines in the papers this weekend about what uh, happened 
in his girlfriend's flat. She says, I think the neighbour was wrong to record the argument between Boris and his partner and to give The Guardian the recording, but phoning the police was quite sufficient. Everyone has arguments sometimes. Of course, we had uh, two Johns on the line earlier who thought that uh, they shouldn't even have called the police. It was uh, nobody's business, they said. Uh, also, uh, a text, if you want to text me, it's Rob, plus your message, to 61054. We've got uh, Gregor, who's texted. He says, uh, Boris is so crummy. That's a word I haven't heard in a long time. I like that. Crummy. says, the lady's so right. Uh, that was, uh, I think, uh, Josephine in Pennycook. says, he's a buffoon. And I'm sorry I voted no in the first independence referendum. So uh, thank you very much for that, uh, Gregor. As I say, it's uh, 0333-2020-401 if uh, you want to uh, call us this morning on the phones. Hashtag Scotland's Talking and uh, you can text. It's uh, Rob plus your message to 61054. We'll uh, get more callers on the line in just a moment. But um, first, I want to uh, talk to you about uh, one of our other topics. Did you see what happened at the posh dinner in London the other night. This is when uh, a government minister manhandled a climate change protester from the room. This was the Chancellor who was making a speech at the Mansion House and he was interrupted by a load of women wearing red cocktail dresses and these sashes across them that shouted uh, a climate emergency. Now, the moment that caught everyone's attention was when the Foreign Office Minister, Mark Field, decided that enough was enough and he ejected one of them himself. And he's been suspended from his post. He has apologised unreservedly, but uh, have you seen the video? And whose side were you on? The Shadow Minister for Climate Justice, Danielle Rowley, says that his actions were inappropriate. It was quite painful to watch, to be honest. Um, it seemed like quite a lot of force, completely uncalled for. I'm quite disgusted watching it. He could have been scared, but when you watch the footage, the woman quite calmly is walking behind him, and it's worrying that his response was to turn round, slam her against the wall, grab her by the neck and drag her out. Not that, that response was just so uncalled for. But the veteran Conservative MP Sir Peter Bottomley has said that Mr Field did absolutely nothing wrong. Nobody could know what was in her bag. It might be acid, it might be a knife, it could be something worse. Remember what happened in Salisbury, what happened at uh, the airport in was it Malaysia or Singapore. I think that to stop her was right. If it had been done by a woman police officer who had stopped her, reversed her and escorted her out, people would be saying, doing your duty. No, no police officer has greater power than an ordinary civilian. And I think that Mark Field did something which was appropriate. I think many of the others could have done it as well. And I tell you this... When my wife, as a health minister, was meeting people, many of whom looked innocent, some of them assaulted her violently. And I think we should be taking a proportionate uh, approach to this. I think we should be praising Mark Field. So let me know what you think about that, Mark Field. We're hero or villain. If, you, if you've seen the video, I mean, he really does um, slammer against this column and then he frog marches her out of the room uh, with uh, his, his hand around the back of her neck. He says he had no idea... You know, what was going on? It was an instinctive reaction. He thought, you know, she could have been armed or, or anything. Uh, then again, this is a woman who's quite clearly just wearing a, a red cocktail dress and, and carrying a, a sheaf of papers. Do you think he was right or wrong? Oh, triple three twenty twenty four oh one. We're going to uh, switch back uh, talking about uh, our potential next prime minister now. We've got uh, Becky on the line. Good morning, Becky. Good morning. Good morning. Um... Uh, you've seen the newspaper headlines, you've seen all the, the comments. Uh, what do you make of it? I understand that if there are people, um, couples arguing and it becomes violent, yes, people should say something or do something, not record things. But we assuming 
that, um, or it comes across that there is an issue that um, Mr. Bor- um, Mr. Johnson is the person that has um, is the aggressor. Um, we know that in Scotland, the proportion of people, um, males with domestic abuse cases, um, they just don't get reported. We know there's a stigma to it. We also know that there is a stigma attached to um, the authorities actually dealing uh, with these cases, although they say there's equality. There really isn't. Um, maybe, just maybe, when he says, get off, get off, when she is saying, get off me, is he trying to calm her down? We don't know. Mm, yeah, I'm saying yeah. there's two sides to every story. Yes, indeed. And, you know, um, maybe there is another side. And I just wanted to put it out there. Mm, no, that's interesting. I mean, it, it, it does sound from reading what we read in the, in the newspapers that... Um, I'm supposing here that that it might all have been started by some red wine being spilt on a sofa, and uh, you know, hands up who hasn't spilt some red wine on a sofa? Exactly, exactly. But and and couples do argue, and actually sometimes that's a good way of clearing the air. Um, and it doesn't mean that it, there's any aggression. It we don't know is the answer. Mm. Um, but he's, he's um, not helping to clear it up though, is he? By 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 just no. so so no. blatantly trying to change the subject. I mean, you know, we're used, to, we're used to politicians having, like, a smart answer, but that was... Yeah. yeah he was blatant. Well, yes. And and if he's... And that's why I think there's a problem, because we don't know. Um, and, but, and I just think it's actually really important to just be clear and to say, well, actually, we, even if it is, do you know what we were having a row? That's OK. We're having a row, and it got a bit heated. Nobody was hurt. How many people have not had a row in their relationship at some point? I think it's... Uh, and, but to be honest with it, and then, then it would go away because there's nothing else to it, is there? Mm, that's interesting. We're, we're going to switch the, uh, the topic and, and talk to Donald in just a moment because he's, he's phoned about the, the climate change protester. Did you have an, an opinion on that? Have you, have, you, have you seen that video, Becky? I haven't, no. I haven't. Um, uh, on, on climate change... Uh, I work, uh, well, I'm not saying where I work. Um, I, I actually think, yes, we do need to be more proactive with, with just getting, we, we just need to get on with climate change. But no, I've not seen it, so mm. I can't comment. OK, well, I, I, think, I think Donald has. Good, good morning, Donald. You're in Edinburgh this morning. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. Um, what do you think about, about the way that was dealt with? The man, the man overreacted, Rob. Mm. Uh-huh. And what else? No, no. Everybody else is overreacting. I think. Uh huh. Who, who, who's talking in your ear there, Donald? My carer. Your carer. Does your carer want to talk as well? No, he's just trying to help me. He's just trying to help you because <laughs> you know everybody's yeah, welcome. Well. Everybody's welcome to have an opinion on on, on Scotland's talking. Have you? Did you see the video, Donald? I haven't seen the video. You no. haven't seen the video. But um, you, you've heard the descriptions then, and trying trying to paint pictures of words here that uh, you know as, as she's she's walking down this this long row of tables in, in, in the mansion house, this grand room, and there's sort of pillars every so often, and everyone's just sitting sitting there, you know, all, all those men in, in and they are mostly men in, in their their dinner jackets and their bow ties and everything, and just as she passes him, he suddenly sticks his his arm out, which throws her into this pillar, this pillar, and then gets up and roughly turns her around and, and begins to march her out of the room and doing that with his with his hand on the back of the neck. Uh, you, you, you've heard those descriptions and you think that just sounds too much. I think it sounds too much, Rob. Stick, stick in protesters. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I, I did wonder whether he was just taking out his just frustration because there have been so many of these these climate change protests. I mean, we had this week. We had the the Greenpeace protesters um, on the oil rig in, in the North Sea. I mean, it's quite it's quite farcical. If you watched the uh, the the screens, the traces you can see on online of marine traffic, you could see this oil rig and, and the vessel uh, you're literally going round and round in circles in, in the North Sea. As, as this standoff lasted quite a, quite a few days, and particularly in, in Edinburgh's where you are, has had it really quite bad. With there've been a couple of occasions now they've been sort of lying down blocking the North Bridge and uh, I think Lothian Road as well. And people are perhaps just getting a bit fed up, aren't they? Losing sympathy. They are. Uh, Rob, I know, um, I don't know if you know, I was at the talking in in the Parliament. Oh, yes, hello, yes, yes, I I do remember you came along and um, you enjoyed that very much, didn't you? I did. Is there any way I can uh, be one of Ali's guests on on his programme once... Sunday morning. Well, we've got your number. We'll give you a call and we'll see what we can sort out uh, about that. Uh, thank you very much for, for calling in, Donald, and uh, and your carer as well. I'm sorry that your, your, your carer didn't want to, to to speak as well, but because I know he, he spoke at our event at, uh, at Holyrood uh, with you as well, and he was uh, very, very lucid, and it'd be lovely to hear his opinions. We're going to take the news in just a few minutes, uh, and then after 12 o'clock... Uh, sorry, 11 o'clock, I'm getting ahead of myself. After 11 o'clock, I'd like to hear how you feel about living next to landfill sites. We know that there's hundreds of them in Scotland. There's one in particular that's been the focus of attention in Lanarkshire. There's, uh, it's an, uh, a very old tip, and it had a school built on top of it. And now people have started falling ill. And people are putting two and two together, and they say that this old landfill site is contaminating the ground and it's contaminating the school. Uh, the started with the, the water turning blue uh, from high copper concentrate. And, and now it's claimed that uh, the cancer that four teachers uh, have been diagnosed with is directly related to this old tip. The Scottish government has an investigation. The teachers have been on strike, but there are landfill sites all over Scotland. Uh, if you live near one, I want to know, do you feel safe? Uh, continue giving us your calls on uh, Boris and Jeremy Hunt uh, and also that climate change protest as well. Our number is 0333 2020 401. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. And I'm Rob. I'm sitting in for Ali this week on Scotland's Talking into the second hour of the programme. Good morning to you. Uh, so far, we've been talking about Boris Johnson and Jeremy Hunt and who you would like as Prime Minister. Also, been having a, a few conversations around the way that a climate change protester was evicted from the Mansion House by an MP and uh, a now suspended Government Minister, Mark Field. A couple of... Uh, Tweets coming in, hashtag Scotland's talking. Arlene says it was a totally inappropriate response. It looked like an assault from the coverage. Uh, and another one who's uh, only called uh, themselves FHT says uh, he was right. In the current climate of politicians being killed and attacked, he did 100% the right thing and he used appropriate levels of restraint. If you have an opinion, if you've been uh, looking at that footage uh, online, what do you think about uh, what Mark Field did? And in a few moments as well, we're going to uh, be starting to talk about landfill sites. If you lead, if you live near one, do you feel uh, comfortable uh, about that? Do you feel 
uh, that uh, they are safe enough? Are you worried about any potential contamination? Uh, because there is one hell of a row in Cote Bridge at the moment about a school that's been built on a former tip, and we'll find out all about that and uh, chat to Willie. And uh, my name is Rob. Good morning to you. Uh, we're talking uh, about the climate change protest at the moment, or, or the way at least that one of them was uh, ejected from the mansion house by uh, a uh, government minister currently uh, suspended uh, for the way he responded to that. Uh, got a, a text in, uh, and uh, you can text us if you want to. Uh, it's Rob plus your message 61054. I uh, haven't got uh, a name on this, but uh, what it says is, Rob, regarding climate change and the damage being done to the planet, only when the last tree is cut down, the last fish eaten, and the last river poisoned will they realise they can't eat money. Thank you very much, uh, whoever you are, for texting uh, Rob plus your message to 61054. The phone number is 0333 20 20 401, and uh, Willie has dialed that. Good morning, Willie. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, about this uh, incident at mm. the mansion house. Yeah. Now, if I was sitting last night in a clubby and uh, I was uh, looking along and there was a lady walking towards me carrying, say, a bundle of bingo books, and for some whatever reason, I took exception to her, jumped up, pushed her against the pillar, grabbed her by the neck and dragged her down the hall by the scruff of her neck. I think this morning I'd be sitting in a cell in Bell Street waiting to go to court tomorrow. I think you probably would, that, yes. That That's my take on what I witnessed uh, that man doing. It was, it was out of order. He was supposed to be in fear. There was no fear in his eyes. It was you could see the temper, the anger in his eyes. It was someone, he saw that lady was non-threatening and decided that he was going to show her what happens to people that get in his way. Mm, I, I, I think you're absolutely right, Willie. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I've watched this numerous times and you're, you're right about the look in his eye as it passes, yeah. the, passes the camera. And uh, I, yeah, I, I think it, it was probably just all the, all the frustration uh, was was boiling out, and he just felt indignant. I think that uh, this this event, where they're all there in their, their best bib and tucker, w- was being interrupted. And, and how dare they? And I and I I, I, I do. Exactly so that's what came through to me. Suffragettes were treated a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. They were well, manhandled. Yeah. They were thrown about. They were treated like that. Yeah. We've moved on a hundred years, but we've still got mm. this attitude among certain members of certain parties that that's the way you deal with uh, a woman that speaks the wrong way mm. or does, doesn't do what you want her to do. And as for the, the choice between Boris and Jeremy, I mean, uh, to me, that's a choice between a nuclear bomb or the Black Death, as far, <laughs> as, as, far as I'm concerned. And for people to try and excuse Jeremy, uh, uh, sorry, Boris's actions on Friday... If I heard a neighbour having a barney like that, I would phone the police. Okay, that's what that neighbour did. That neighbour then had the presence of mind, in my view, to go and record it. Because it appears that initially the police wouldn't uh, comment on the the fact that that incident happened. And it was only because the person had recordings and the Guardian had recordings that the police then had to admit that it happened. Their initial reaction was to try to cover the incident up. So recording after phoning the police, I don't see what's wrong with that. He obviously heard, or he or she obviously heard things that they felt weren't right. And 
to back that up, I, I, all I have to say is Boris has a reputation. Boris was caught discussing with someone else about getting another journalist beat up. Mm, he so said that was just like, he said that was just jockey, joshing. This is many many years ago, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's always joshing when you get caught with the Tories. That's, that's a funny <laughs> thing. That you've so covered. Yeah, just having a laugh or a joke or a, taken in the wrong context, mm. but he wasn't. He has been recorded speaking about getting someone else beaten up. So, to my my mind, any doubt about that incident falls on the lady's side in the house. It doesn't fall with Boris, who I'm aware of having violent tendencies. I I think maybe that's what a lot of people feel, that once you get into Downing Street, uh, it's time for the joking to stop. But you you covered a lot of ground there, Willie. Thank you so much uh, for calling us on Scotland's Talking, 0333-2020-401. Keep your calls uh, coming, whether it's on on Boris or on the climate change protester. But for the moment, we're going to have a chat uh, about landfill sites. Because how safe do you feel if you live near one of them, particularly after hearing about the, the scandal around a school campus in Lanarkshire. There have been all sorts of claims about St Ambrose and Buchanan High, which is a, a shared campus near Coatbridge, where the staff and pupils have been falling ill. And fingers have been pointed at where it was built, which was on top of an old industrial landfill. Now, last year, the water coming out of the taps started to turn bluish, or at least we, we found out that the water was turning bluish. In fact, it had been uh, happening quite a few years before that, in fact. Uh, and it transpired it was because of high levels of copper. So they changed the pipes from metal to plastic. And then in recent weeks, we've heard that uh, four former or current members of staff have been treated for cancer. Now, the health board and the council say that there is no link. But the parents think there is something about that school that is making people sick. Uh, the teachers who belong to the NASUWT uh, are currently out on strike. Uh, one of the schools and another one uh, next door will join in on Tuesday. The Scottish Government has asked independent experts to look at all the evidence. This is what First Minister Nicola Sturgeon said at Holyrood on Thursday. Let me say, first of all, and say this very directly to parents at the school, uh, that their concerns are being taken by me and by this government extremely seriously. We will not rest until we have ensured that all issues have been properly investigated, that any issues identified are redressed, and that every single parent of a child uh, at St Ambrose or Buchanan High uh, has confidence in sending uh, their children to school. In terms of testing, as I said in response to my initial answer, it will be for the review team to decide what further tests of pupils are required or indeed staff at the school or the site itself and uh, anything that the review team considers is necessary should happen and I and the Deputy First Minister have been very clear about that. Um, Aside from that, any parent with concerns should discuss these concerns with their GP. Uh, The government is already liaising with NHS Lanarkshire to ensure that there are resources in place to deal with any uh, consequent increase in demand for NHS services. So has it got you worried? Uh, according to the latest figures that uh, I found on the SEPA website, and these date from 2017, there are 290 landfill sites in Scotland. Most of those are in the central belt. Now, Stephen Freeland is uh, a policy advisor with the Scottish Environmental Services uh, Association, who uh, are one of the uh, group bodies for uh, waste operators. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm not going to ask you uh, particularly to to comment uh, on the situation in Coatbridge. That's uh, that's a very particular situation. But I thought to set the discussion up, we should really just have a chat, first of all, just so that we know what we're talking about, um, about what landfill is. Because it's 
it's been very common in the past. Obviously, it's, a, it's one of those things that is a bad thing. Uh, these days, we're trying to get away from it. Uh, but how does it work? Perhaps you can explain that for us. Well, this is basically the um, black bag residual waste, uh, where all previous efforts have been made to recycle as much material as possible. Uh, those materials left over that can't be recycled, that can't be reused, or, or can't be recovered in any way, uh, are, are disposed of in, in landfill. Uh, the policy objective is to try and reduce landfilling as much as possible, to try to recycle as much as possible. Uh, but there are some materials which just have got no home other than landfill. Uh, so essentially, it is a large hole in the ground. It's well engineered. Uh, there's, there's lining and capping to ensure that the material is contained within uh, the hole in the ground. Um, and that is where it is uh, it's buried. Um, and even though it's landfill, there's still use for it. Uh, the, the gas that's generated um, can be captured uh, to create uh, renewable energy that feeds into the, the national grid. Is it safe? Yes. Um, current landfill sites are highly regulated uh, compared to what situation happened decades ago. Uh, there's European regulation directives to ensure that these sites are properly designed, properly managed, and they're strictly regulated by Scotland's uh, environment agency, CEPA, to ensure that operators are doing uh, what's required. And, and the idea is that the land can be used again afterwards. That, that's correct, isn't it? Yes. I mean, um, all landfills have um, a certain period by which they will operate for, and then afterwards, uh, once they've closed, uh, the whole point is to restore that land back to productive use, and that's, uh, that's usually a requirement for, for the planning consent. Um, and the government's national planning policy uh, is all about bringing these brownfield sites, these, these, these past industrial sites, back into use for some sort of development, regardless of what that might be. There's a whole range of developments could utilise the site. Uh, but the whole point is to bring it back into productive use once the landfilling activity has ceased. You, you say it's tightly regulated. That has not always been the case, though, has it? No, obviously, back in the um, in the decades gone by, that wasn't the case. So the, the current regulations that we that we adhere to uh, were born in the 1990s uh, and uh, were implemented in the early 2000s. Uh, so also we've got a, a legacy issue where previous sites um, from decades gone by were not regulated to the same standards as we ex- expect these days. And, and yet we have been building things on top of them. Um, that's just where, again, it is, these past industrial sites can be reused for development. Uh, we've got the contaminated land regime in this country um, that's been around for about 20 years now. Uh, and the, the onus there is to ensure that when uh, a previous historic site is redeveloped uh, through the planning process, um, these sites are investigated, uh, remediated to, um, to requirements that's needed to ensure that they're safe and then built on appropriately. Would you buy a house on top of an old industrial landfill site? It's actually quite common. There are, um, all across the country, there are houses built on old industrial sites, whether it be landfill or anything else. Uh, the whole point is to ensure that they, at, the, at the point of planning consent for the change of use from industrial to housing, 
Uh, the site's been properly tested, analysed. Uh, and some of these sites are inert. Um, a lot of them just uh, have got stones and rubble. So not all of them contain materials of, of risk. There's a whole broad spectrum of different sites uh, having different risk profiles. And the whole point is through the planning process before consent is granted to ensure that uh, all necessary steps been taken to ensure that the, the site is suitable for reuse. OK, well, well thank you for joining us, uh, Stephen. Uh, on the other line, and uh, I'm going to... Uh, start talking now to uh, Maria Hanley, uh, who is one of the uh, the parents who has been protesting at uh, the uh, Buchanan High and St Ambrose site in Cobridge. Good morning, Maria. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. So there you are. You heard it from Stephen. There's, there's nothing to worry about. Oh, yes. And I do um, obviously appreciate um, everything you said there, Stephen. And, and, you know, to some extent, there are, there are things there that you said that I would agree with. Um, you know, the, um, the, the let's just um, put this right, the, the Health Protection Agency do say that uh, a well-managed modern landfill uh, site does not pose a significant risk to human health. However, uh, the site at St Ambrose and Buchanan High is built on a historic landfill, and I think you touched on that, Stephen, such as you know the, the one we're talking about, and that I believe can pose a significant risk. Now you touched on remediation as well, Stephen, and yes, uh, to some extent I do agree with you. Remediation of a site, um, which is remediation for everybody, is to rid it of hazardous waste and pollutants. But I feel in the case of St Ambrose and Buchanan High, this remediation falls short of making it safe. Going back to the Health Protection Agency, they do say that historic landfills that are managed under the Environmental Protection Act of 1990, which, Stephen, you did say, um, they, they do say that, um, you know, uh, in a, if, you live, if you live close to a well-managed landfill site, it doesn't pose a significant risk to human health, according to them, to the Health Protection Agency. However, they do say... Um, where um, schools or um, houses, etc., are built um, in um, basically historic uh, landfill sites, they say it's not possible to provide definitive advice regarding historic or closed landfill sites which predated waste management regulations in the UK, which that's pre-1990, due to the large, and this is due to the large variability in wastes which entered these sites and the variability in their design and operation when open. Now, just to make this clear, um, I'm beginning to sound like Nicola Sturgeon here, I think, when I'm speaking. I've listened to her that much. Um, just to make this clear, um, the, it, before it was a landfill, um, the Gutsherry and Ironworks, um, who were just up the road from where the schools are built at the moment, uh, from 19, um, up to 1945, I believe, they dumped um, toxic chemicals uh, and waste such as arsenic, lead and nickel and cadmium uh, uh, onto that site. And then, so we've got that toxic cocktail sitting there. And then from 1945 to 1972 or thereabouts, we've got a lovely big household rubbish dump going on top of that, including 77,000 tonnes of raw sewage all on top of that. Now, the schools, are, sorry, not schools, the, the North Lanarkshire Council, the local authority have said, you know, there was a lot of controversy at the time. There was a lot of people saying, no, we don't want to build it there. And they put a nice little geomembrane under there. And they reckon under their remediation, they've made it safe. However, what I, to get back to the point, do I feel safe living near a landfill site or a previous landfill site, or in this case, a historic one? No. 
Um, because living near or on a landfill site, you, you need to be aware and the public need to be aware of the ways in which toxic chemicals from that landfill can threaten us, such as groundwater contamination and methane gas. Now, um, I know that this area, the, the school campus and the grounds, uh, there's a community centre there, all in one big campus. There's, there's football pitches, communal football pitches, etc. It's built on 14 hectares. Now, you're not going to tell me that the local authority put a geomembrane that I'm sure they only put it under the school, but you're not telling me they did, they, they, they remediated, um, I got rid of all the toxins and chemicals in that 14 hectares. Also, add to the mix, it's right near the Drumpelia Country Park locks and it's, it's wetlands there. We've got a lot of burns and little streams that run um, around the surrounding school um, that are tainted at the moment with orange, in some cases, an orange sludge. I'm not convinced this is iron. <laughs> um, and also, I think for, there's a duty of care in, if you're building on historic landfills where there's not really, there's not been, you know, all this uh, legislation put in place at the time to manage them, and they may have been poorly managed. I feel as if, um, you know, any, any council or local authority that, 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 that builds on these um, areas, whether they've remediated 10 years or not, they should continuously do a risk assessment and test the soil, the air, um, and the grounds for potential leachate um, or uh, contamination. It, it, you know, I, I'll just say one kind of final thing here and, and let you in, Rob. I'm sure you want to. <laughs> hey, it's my program. In, and I apologise for going on my soapbox here. But groundwater contamination, okay. So over time, just in a simple, to, 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 to the many listeners here, over time, the rain. Now, we get lots of rain. In fact, with global warming, we're getting so much rain in Scotland, even more than I knew as a little girl. And over time, rainwater mixes with chemicals from the rubbish, uh, etc., dumped in a landfill and produces a leachate, a sort of toxic sludge that buries its way down through the landfill and then ultimately into the landfill. And unless, it's, of course, there is an adequate lining at that landfill bottom, uh, which for older landfills is seldom present. Now, the leachate-contaminated groundwater can then migrate into whatever direction nature's going to take it, possibly into nearby areas or water supplies or burns or streams, etc. So that's one you know, thing that we're, 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 we're you know, that, that's one thing. And the methane gas, just to kind of mention that, methane gas is 21 more times more potent than CO2. The schools are fitted with methane gas alarms. Now, methane is the most dangerous if it blows out the side of a landfill. So under the surface, again, it can build up, it can migrate into um, surrounding areas, but it can collect in confined spaces in buildings as well and can create an explosion risk. So I think, um, you know, basically the most dangerous landfills, in my opinion, are those which began accepting waste many, many years ago, before 1980. Okay, I've got and, to, I've got to jump in now, mm -hmm. Marissa, because I'm, I'm, okay. I'm being hassled by my boss. So we've, we've got to go, we've got <laughs> to go to a break. Uh, I, I do have to say that uh, there is this uh, government investigation to uh, go over all the evidence at the moment. It uh, is independent. Nicholas Sturgeon has given that uh, assurance. Uh, I know that uh, you would like uh, new tests carried out and uh, NHS Lanarkshire mm -hmm. uh, say that there is no link and that the council says the school uh, is safe. If you have a view, if uh, if you live near to a landfill, if you've heard what Marie have said, if you heard what Stephen have said, 0333 uh, a text uh, has uh, just come into us as well. You can text Rob to 61054. It says that Stephen didn't answer whether he would live on dump site.
did he? Well, I, I think he probably did, but uh, you're right, he didn't actually say a, a yes or no. But 0333-2020-401, your call's next. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Uh, good morning to you. Welcome to the programme. If you've just joined us, our number is 0333 We've got lots of subjects on the go. Uh, our next uh, Prime Minister also uh, talking uh, about those uh, climate uh, change uh, protesters who were ejected from the Mansion House. A couple of tweets to give you on those. Uh, one uh, from uh, Chaotic Brackets, slightly less miserable, uh, says it was only a couple of weeks ago we had a comedian quipping that uh, a milkshake could have been acid. That was uh, Joe Brand he's referring to. It only takes one idiot to think that's a good idea and someone is maimed for life. And uh, we've also got one from uh, Stephen Smith, who uh, is uh, right behind uh, Mark Field, the uh, Foreign Office Minister. He says, if it had been someone chucking acid, we would have been asking why they weren't stopped. Uh, one of the other topics on the go this morning is uh, whether you feel safe living next to landfill sites. This is because of all the route that's going on in Coatbridge. We were speaking to uh, Maria at some length uh, just before the break. Uh, Stephen's called in about that. So good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Rob. How are I, you today? I'm, I'm very well. Landfill sites. W- would you live uh, next to one? Well, I'm just going to tell you a wee story quite well up here. I lived in Isla Butte in Rossi for over 30 years. And the, the landfill site was right next door to the housing scheme where I lived. We used to go and play in that landfill site. I'd take to think we actually was buried in it. But we built dens, we played in it day and night. There was schools all round about it. And I don't think there's any excuse, but we felt safe as the years went on. And when you hear about landfall sites, it was happening in Coke Bridge. But I don't think the landfall sites are actually the problem. Mm-hmm. Because I've got many friends, young and old, died with cancer. I was a voluntary driver to the beach in the hospital at Gap Naval Hospital for many years. I've seen many people get in there at all ages and to get tests to see what was wrong with them and given notice either three days, three weeks or two years. It was heartbreaking to see some of these patients. And, when I, and over the years, I've studied this for the last 20 years, Rob. I went to the Clydesiders to do the mesothelioma, it was called. Yes, mesothelioma, yes. Yes, this is where I was going to come from. It was to do with asbestos, with all these ships during the war and after the war that were decommissioned. Many, many properties were demolished. Shipyards were demolished and done away with. It was to do with all that asbestos. Where was it buried? Because the law only came into force, I believe, in in the late 90s. You've got to register now when you dump asbestos. I think the problem lies in the asbestos that was dumped and all the stuff from the military years, the war years, it was dumped and buried underground that nobody, well, we don't know, but the MOD and folk in high, high, higher authority will know exactly where this and there's millions and millions of tons of asbestos is buried that we don't know. And I think now as the years go on, they blame Chernobyl in the late 80s. It, it, it might have caused some kind of damage what was widespread, but in Russia it certainly did. But over this country, I think in the West Coast, it's killing people. And I think it is the asbestos seed into the water table. I've had many friends in Isla Butte in the West Coast has died young in the last one. I just lost one there, we Alfie, three weeks ago. It was asbestos related. And the young ones that I knew actually worked in, in boatyards in Isla Butte. 
when the boatyards were they were being decommissioned, these folk and their children are catching as best as related diseases. That's where the problem lies. Landfill sites, I say, are actually safe. As far as I'm concerned, all landfills will be safe. Because you've got to do test holes, and you've got to bore, and you've got to do checks, and the ground's got to be decommissioned, and it's got to lie dormant for so many years before you can build, then they clear it all. It's like gasworks, they clear them all. But the biggest killer to, to, to cancer people today, young and old, I believe is in asbestos, and the government and the MOD should own up and see their folk to like the quiet siders fighting through the misophobic disease that they have. Yeah, this is this the thing. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about asbestos or whether we're talking about this landfill in in Cobridge. The thing is that we're not we're not doctors, or not 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 so many of us are doctors or scientists. But we, it, the whole argument depends on us believing the word of the officials who tell us that that it's safe. And, and as, you, as you say, with when it, when it comes to asbestosis, you know, we can go back sort of decades and the things that have had to be dragged out and then huge long court cases. Uh, and especially now that everyone is uh, able to speak up so much more through through social media, that there's just a lack of trust. Well, the thing is, the difference I was trying to get between a landfill site is the millions, all these tons in the war stuff, all this military hardware that was all buried. Away back years, they'll no tell us the location, the ground where these, where all this stuff is buried. It's got to be buried somewhere, or it's out at sea, because there's the housing schemes all over the country built in ground that you don't know what's below. Mm. But in a landfall site nowadays, as they've got to be checked, they've got to get through all the regulations. Thing is, maybe nobody, maybe nobody knows. Maybe there were no records kept. Well, if you can, there's a lot. I've found well, there's a few. Places, recycling centres can be phoning you and saying that's not particularly true because I've got to keep records. Councils have got to keep records which can into these landfill sites. It's the ones where it's, the stuff was buried, not just in landfill sites. I could tell you places in Rossi where the military, even the uh, war camps over there, they just build everything into the ground. Yet you tell them it's in there or nothing. Why is there nothing been built in that bit of ground? Yet you build all these houses. And if you look at all these housing schemes all around about you, there's folk dying, there's children being born, some of them. Well, they're not disabled. Some of their limbs are. I'm not telling this here, Rob, but I think it's as best. Mm. It's the size we don't know about. It's the ones we should be worrying about. Uh-huh. Those are the ones. Landfill well, sites are safe as far as I'm concerned. Stephen, thank you for your call this morning. We'll, we'll take another break just now and then back with uh, more calls. If you want to get involved in the conversation on any of our topics this morning, Prime Ministers or landfills or people being uh, ejected from posh dinners, it's 0333 on Twitter. The hashtag is Scotland's Talking. If you want to text, it's Rob and then your message to 61054. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. And I'm Rob sitting in for Ali on Scotland's Talking this morning. It's uh, about 14 minutes to uh, midday. Uh, Going to be talking to uh, Joseph uh, in just a moment about the climate change protest. Uh, but uh, a text has uh, come in to Jim. You can text Rob and your message to 61054. And uh, Jim says, Rob, goodness, Stephen's talking sense. It must be you, my friend. Yes, probably it is. Probably is my effect. Uh, Joseph, good morning to you in Glasgow. How are you today? Good morning, Rob. Uh, you want to talk about the, the incident at the Mansion House and, and yes, the lady yes. who was ejected. Yes, the, the, before that, that woman got to that, that, that private meeting with Mr Hammond, 
Why was this, why, what happened to security guards? Why did they let all these protesters get by the main door when they were already protected? People was in that, that meeting. Why was that allowed to happen? Why? They could be carrying guns or bombs or grenades. As terrorists nowadays now don't dress as terrorists. We used to do army fatigue on. They dress as normal people like me and you in the street. So it starts for the front door and mm-hmm. the security guards should get their books for allowing that to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the, the MP done that. What would she have got to Mr. Hammond and she just dropped a bomb? Who knows what was in her bag or anything? You know what I mean? She wasn't searched, they weren't searched or nothing. Uh huh. Um, so that was a security uh, lapse. You're, there. you're right. You could argue they couldn't get in there. I mean, what's, I mean, it's interesting what you say about um, what they were, because that's been one of the hallmarks of these, uh, these climate change protesters over the last few weeks, is, is how they have managed to blend in. Be- yeah, because because they, that, these ladies at this dinner were they're, they're all dressed in red, and uh, one of our callers earlier today uh, made made the link back to the the suffragettes, and they did have these sashes on that said uh, "climate emergency" on them. But I, I think back to there was the protests in the city of London a few weeks ago, and a couple of characters were were sitting on top of a, a train, which um, therefore went nowhere for hours and hours. I think they'd superglued themselves to the top of it, but they just looked like any other city trader. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they looked incredibly respectable. Yes, but the thing about it, Rob, is we can't keep this thing with these people that say they're not here to damage the thing. They're causing more trouble. They're not stopping people from getting to their work, doing their business. They're not helping the country at all with their stupidness. There she was three days ago. She was up at the, where the big uh, oil uh, thing was going out to the North Sea. Aye, yes. she, was, she was on that. So where, what, what does she do in life? Does she get money? Or does she Disney what? Are she claiming money to do it and still get back and sign on the door? Or has she, she got money? She's nothing else to do with her time. Yeah, well, she's, she says that she's trying to save the planet for, for you and me and uh, our children and grandchildren. She says there's a climate emergency and these are, and these are the people that we need to reach to. These, this Mansion House speech was full of city figures and, and bankers and the people who could be taking decisions in whether we invest in new oil drilling or whether we invest in clean technology and she would say that they're the people that, that need to hear that message. Well, Rob, we try to say in Scotland, oh, we'll have a clear thing in, in the future. But if I get, where does it, the, the thing come from? You, you can't keep it there clear because... From China to America to Russia, the clouds bring the damage with them. When these things, the iron works or steel works or whatever it is, is uh, the thing. When they open these, these chimneys and they let the pollution go up into there, the clouds carry it. That's what happened to Grenoble. The sheep in Scotland were thing because the clouds brought the, the thing with them and dropped it. And as soon as the rain started, the clouds opened up and dropped the thing on the hills. And the sheep were, were thing with it. You know, the disease. Mm. I mean, so it doesn't really help us when other countries are not doing their part. So the clouds make a lot, a lot with that. I think you might be confusing it. two issues there, though, Joseph, because yeah, there's there's, uh, there's things that can be well, what we used to once upon a time called uh, acid rain, but in general, you know, climate emissions and sort of uh, warming gases like like carbon that that's just everybody's putting it out, and of course, it all makes it all makes a difference. Uh, everybody yeah. has to do something. You, you're right about countries like India and China, and particularly America, which is you know, the, the, the the biggest polluter and the ones who seem uh, most determined to sit the fingers in the air and go, la, 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 la. 
But yeah, everybody yeah. can make a difference. Yeah, but as I said, there's, they're, they're, the way they're doing it is they're stopping people for earning their wages. I, I know they're stopping people for getting to their work, stopping people to even get into hospitals. They're causing a lot of confusion, not doing it the proper way. Sitting in streets and stopping people for getting to, to A to B doesn't help them because mm-hmm. people turn against them. Do it the right way. Protest with your letters. Protest at the time. Don't send about a million people. Send people that can talk for them. Don't annoy annoying everybody in the whole country by doing these stupid protests that doesn't get them anywhere. Do you, do you think a load of letters to the people who run banks is going to make any difference? No, Where, whereas interrupting their posh dinner might just make them pay attention, do you think? But, see, the, the thing about all this, about the, the people at the top, it's not the people at the top is get, getting all the thing. They, they, they're there away from all this. It's the people in the street, it's got, as I said, hospitals, going to their work, going to look after their families and mother or father as hell, can't, can't get to where they're going because you're stopping the, the whole fracture of the, the country. Right, OK. Well, react to this um, tweet maybe, see what you think. I think uh, you're probably going to agree with them. Uh, I haven't got the, the name, they just have a, a load of um, emojis on the screen. But he, they say, this is in relation to chucking the protester out, it was the wrong thing to do in hindsight, but sometimes people need to react decisively to threatening situations. If it was someone intent on doing harm, it would have been the right thing to do. I suppose that's the, that's, that's the nub of it. It's certainly what Mark Field would say, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I, but the thing is, we, we are in a, a terrorist now, uh, problem now we've got. So everything, security's got to be up at the top, and that's what happened there. That security was broken. I mean, a person could have walked out even with a machine gun and just went boom, 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 boom. Who's to blame? The people at the front door should never allow them to walk right in there and walk right up, up the stairs into that private room. OK, well, thank you very much, uh, Joseph, for uh, making your, your point. This has been Scotland's Talking, and I'm Rob Waller. Thank you for your company this morning, for all your calls and texts and tweets. Just a couple of thoughts to leave you with on Twitter. Willie A, talking about Mark Fields, says he didn't have the benefit of hindsight. He reacted to a threatening situation. The woman in question wasn't injured. Other than her pride, if this was a man, we wouldn't even be talking about it. And in reference to who you want as the next Prime Minister, SparklyGal74 says none of them, well... Very sorry. It's going to be one of them, but it's been great to hear your uh, opinions this morning. Ali is back on the programme next week.